Welcome back to Tulsa Time with Bishop Condola. I'm Adam Minahan. We're joined again for the fourth week in a row with uh, Carlo Bruce Sard uh, from Catholic Answers. Go check out shop.catholic.com. You can check out his work and all the uh, good work that the Catholic Answers has done. You can also listen to him on 94.9 St. Michael Catholic Radio from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. And you can call in. Well, uh, let's see. 888-318-7884. How Dude, about that? I think you got it right. I, nailed- I don't even know the number. Yeah, there, there it is. Look outside, <laughs> Kellen. I'm coming for you. No, I'm just joking. Uh, no, so uh, it's great to have you back, Carlos. It's great to be back. I just can't get enough of you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Well, so uh, the last couple of weeks we've been talking about, we've talking about Advent, we're talking about Christmas, and, and uh, some uh, common thread throughout that has been to take a what's happening in the secular culture and baptizing it Catholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the big things that people talk about uh, this time of year is New Year's resolutions, mm. right? Um, you know, I want to make a New Year's resolution, and it lasts for a good. Uh, what month? You're 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 a gym guy. You know that, that January and February is the worst time to go to the gym, right? Everybody's because gonna be there. everybody's going to be there. It's <laughs> jam packed with people, right? And then March kind of fizzles out, and April it gets back back, back to, normal, to normal, right? Uh, but so let's talk about how can we take a New Year's resolution <laughs> and how do we make that? How do we baptize that Catholic, or even make one, <laughs> or even or even hold one? Yeah, <laughs> it's easy to make. They're easy to make. That's They're, right. They're easy it, to make. It, it, it's more about carrying through and holding uh, holding the re- resolution. You know, I, I think one way for us to to think of this is why anyone even makes New Year's resolutions at all. Uh, what's so special about January the first? And January the first is a new beginning, mm-hmm. right? A new year, right? And that triggers in us this sense of, okay, a new period of time is opening. I've just come through this period of time. What do I want to do with this new period of time? There's an arbitrariness about it because January the 1st is just an arbitrary day and so forth. Um, But what we have in the Catholic world began four weeks ago Mm -hmm. uh, when we had the first Sunday of Advent. That's our new beginning of time because we operate by a liturgical calendar. The Catholic Church has baptized time itself mm-hmm. uh, through the use of the liturgical calendar. And in that liturgical calendar, we recognize that we have this opportunity to uh, re- recircle again these central mysteries of our faith which all have to do with this relationship we have with God who lives in us and who loves us and who we love. And so for us, the idea of making New Year's resolutions is simply the ongoing firm purpose of amendment that we should live with because of our relationship to the sacrament of reconciliation, which, as we've discussed recently, we were receiving uh, at least monthly or so. And... um, So for us, the idea of resolutions is, uh, we can think of it in terms of virtues. Uh, We call virtues stable habits in favor of the good, and we want to have them because they bring us joy and the good life. And so we are uh, striving after virtues. Well, one thing we could do on January 1st, if we want to sort of participate in the New Year custom, is to think, what virtue would I like to work on uh, this year in a more special way? 
pick a virtue and say, okay, what are some practical things that I can do to begin to work on this virtue? I would like to do magnificence. <laughs> <laughs> Although I don't have the money to do that, so I can't do that. But <laughs> You're already magnificent. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, and I think practically a good source for looking through the virtues would be the great St. Thomas Aquinas, who's known for giving the most in-depth treatment of the virtues in his Summa Theologiae. Mm -hmm. So for folks listening and watching, they can just go to newadvent.org or just find any mm -hmm. Summa online and look at the first part of the second part. And that's where Aquinas treats the virtues and goes in depth, showing this particular virtue and all of the sister virtues, right? All, yeah, the all these sub-virtues. Yeah, yeah. And then also the vices too, the opposing vices. And the importance of knowing that is that whenever you find yourself struggling with a particular vice, the way to combat it is to exercise mm -hmm. the opposing virtue. And we can only grow in living out those virtues if we first know those virtues. So it's important to form the mind mm -hmm. so that we come to know, yeah, what is that virtue? Mm -hmm. And then once you know it, of course, you got to start living it out because one thing we always, I, I know a lot of people, myself included, have a tendency to do is that what you learn in the mind mm -hmm. about the virtues, you tend to start thinking, well, I'm pretty virtuous. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, no, not quite. You got to live it out, right? right? As you put it, Your Excellency, a, a, a stable, firm disposition in favor of the good, as you mm -hmm. put it. Mm -hmm. It's that disposition and that's habitual, it's firm, it's stable in, in the soul, that for us to function properly, as St. Thomas Aquinas put it, it's to engage in our proper action, ac operation, activity. And so the question is, well, what do we do properly as a human being? We reason, and we live according to reason. Mm -hmm. And so virtue is going to be this stable and firm disposition to where we reason well, and we live according to reason well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's sort of a summary of what virtue does. And you just pick out one of those virtues uh, or a couple to start working on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, okay. Uh, he breaks it out, out first in the theological virtues. So if we're talking about uh, virtue is the habituation of doing the good. Um, he, he breaks it out and there's theological virtues. There's three of those. And then there's four cardinal virtues. Right. Human virtues. Human virtues. Right. right. Um, four of which are cardinal. Yes. Or pivotal virtues, as it's put. Yeah. 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 So the theological virtues would be faith, hope, and charity. Mm -hmm. The four cardinal virtues would be uh, temperance, justice, fortitude, fortitude, and uh, um, prudence, justice, prudence. fortitude. I forgot prudence. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's the first. Peanut butter, to, uh, jelly toast. That's how you, that's how you can remember <laughs> That's how I remember it. Uh, yeah. So the, and it's important to distinguish those two because the human virtues or acquired through human effort. Now, of course, for us as Christians through baptism, the human virtues are also infused with the theological virtues, mm -hmm. but the human virtues are acquired through human effort, mm -hmm. whereas the theological virtues are infused primarily by God in through the sacrament of baptism initially enhanced and confirmed in the sacrament of confirmation. And the theological virtues pertain directly to God, mm. faith, believing in God and everything God has revealed to us, hope, trusting in God's promises, charity, loving God above all things and everything for the sake of the love of God. The human virtues are ordered toward primarily our perfection as human beings mm -hmm. and functioning properly, right? Doing mm -hmm. the things we do as humans, reasoning well, living according to reason well. 
But that, in turn, ultimately is supposed to get taken up in the movement to getting to God as our primary goal, our life's ultimate goal, which is friendship with him and union with him and what we call the beatific vision. So the virtues, all, the human virtues, although human, they are ultimately ordered to being taken up into our relationship with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And it's all, you know, all of this is happening as we're uh, celebrating Christmas. And so the motive for any of it, uh, <clears throat> the it, when one reads St. Thomas, mm -hmm. one of the things one can get uh, lost in is the details. details. Mm -hmm. Because he starts with this point, to that, to this, to that, to that, to that. Uh, what do you call these diagrams? You know, if yes, then this. If no, then that. Uh, you can get lost in it. But it's important, especially for people who are coming at it new, to first know the reason why to even bother. And we just celebrated it. God who loves us so much that he came among us as a man so that he could save us from our sins so that we would not have to experience unending death. Jesus is not just the reason for the season. He's the reason for everything. Right. And so for, for the development of the virtues, why learn about right. these distinctions? Why bother trying? Because it's going to be effortful. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. One doesn't develop patience except by being patient. Absolutely. And when you're being patient, you don't typically feel jolly. Yeah. <laughs> that's why you develop the virtue of patience. That's right. Then you're in the moment, you may still feel perturbed because you're having to be patient, but that's overwhelmed by the knowledge that, thank God I'm patient. Thank God is giving me patience. Uh, but none of that will, will seem worth knowing or trying to do if we don't first realize God knows my name and loves me in such a way that he desires to give me these good things, that's why I want to pursue them because the one who loves me and who I love mm. wants to give them to me. And so I'm willing to try to pursue them. Yeah, I mentioned a while ago how virtue is to reason well and live in accord with reasoning well. Well, who did that perfectly? Our Lord himself, mm -hmm. getting back to the incarnation. So our Lord gives us the example par excellence, the model, the icon of how to reason well, how to live in accord with reason well. Mm -hmm. And that's the ultimate goal and purpose of the virtues is to conform our heart and mind, our intellect and will, our very being mm -hmm. as humans to the Son of God, Jesus mm. Christ, in the incarnation. So conformity to the heart and mind of Christ is the ultimate goal and purpose of the virtues, which in turn, that conformity gives us salvation because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And only in and through Jesus, 1 Timothy 2.5, do we have access to God the Father. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, crucial for us to, to remember and to live into and to teach children, mm -hmm. is that this is a lifelong project mm -hmm. uh, because it can be easy to become deflated by the fact that, gosh, I've been trying all week to be patient, and then I blew up at somebody at the end of the week or something. Uh, and to think, gosh, this is never going to happen. 
we need to also be focused on the good things that we're doing. Right. Uh, to not just gloss over those things in a kind of a false humility. All good things that we do come from God. God is the one who inspires in us the desire and gives us the ability to do them. And so we want to pay attention to the good things God is doing in us, through us, because they help us to weather the times when we fail. Uh, No one who's trying to learn a skill is disappointed necessarily if they don't get it immediately because they know, wow, this is a complicated thing. Well, the same thing for the virtues, overcoming the fallen nature that we have from Adam, Mm -hmm. uh, from original sin, uh, takes some effort. But the effort is worthwhile and is made easier when we look at the successes. Yeah, I think that's an important point. You know, I used to work with Father Robert Spitzer Mm. and his organization of the kinds of happiness into four levels of happiness, et cetera. And one of the key things I remember in my training with Father Robert Spitzer was the teaching that the bad news about another, or even if I'm reflecting upon myself, often clouds our sight or impedes us to see the good news Mm -hmm. in the other or in myself. Mm -hmm. And one of the important tips of getting out of that is to list the good, focus on the good. And once you have that good established, that contextualizes the bad to where you don't feel the sting of the bad Mm -hmm. so badly, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that's important whether we're thinking about another person I'm always focused on the bad news about you, Adam. I'm right. never going to see the good news. Right. But if I can contextualize that bad news with the good news, I'm going to be drawn to you. I'm going to be attracted. I'm mm. going to have empathy. I'm going to be inclined to love you. Well, the same for ourselves. If we always focus on the, the failures, mm-hmm. that's going to cloud our sight of the good. But if we focus on those successes, we mess up. We recognize, yeah, I messed up, but I don't get so depressed or mm-hmm. distraught for the failure because I'm like, yeah, the Lord has been helping me out. Look at all these good things. And I think that's important for just life in general, right? Right. right. When we start comparing ourselves to other people and, oh, look at the great things that person has. Look at the skills and the talents he has. I don't have those things in Facebook. doesn't help this, right? Right. Everybody's got a perfect life on Facebook. And I think it's important to realize, focus on those good things that the Lord has given us. Like, yeah, I don't have the singing voice of that person, or I don't have the intellect of that scholar mm-hmm. <laughs> coming from an apologist's mind, but I do recognize, hey, yeah, you know, the Lord has allowed me to write these five books and do these speaking events and make these mm-hmm. successes and achievements here, and that can help um, to where we don't get so destroyed. I mm-hmm. think that's a great point, Your Excellency. Yeah, I think this harkens back to what uh, a few weeks ago when we were talking about examination of conscience, right? It, the importance of knowing thyself, knowing where we are, what, what we do well, and then what where we fall to where when we know what what virtues are, you know, you have to know it before you can love it, and yet in, in order to love it, then you can serve it, right? Mm-hmm. The, the Baltimore Catechism, what are you made for? To know, love, and serve the Lord in this life so that right. we have eternal life with Him forever. So as long as, like, once you start uh, examining your conscience, like we talked about a few weeks ago, we start knowing ourselves better mm-hmm. and knowing where, where our strengths and what our weaknesses are. And by knowing more of the virtues, we're able to see when we are uh, falling, we, we're able to exercise those virtues and say, like, oh, okay, well, I am not patient. Maybe I should be working on patience more mm-hmm. um, to help grow further in, in our moral life and in our spiritual life. Yeah. Yeah, and... Remembering that the Lord loves us no matter what, 
Mm-hmm. How much more then when we first, because I think the first sort of uh, major hurdle, if you will, to get over is simply the decision. Uh, I think too many Catholics, too many of us, I certainly lived this way for 23 years of my life, um, we live passively in our Catholic faith. We haven't uh, met the Lord in a way that would cause us to decide, you know, I would die for this man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live for this man. Um, but that's the first major hurdle is to say, to, to come to terms with the fact that, do I believe that Jesus is God or not? Do I believe that right. he has saved me right. or not? If I say that I believe that he is my Savior, that he is the reason why I have hope of heaven, mm. if I say that I believe that he loves me, then shouldn't I live as if I believed that? And so I'm going to make a decision for Christ, and now he's going to become the Lord in my life. He's going to be the final arbiter of my decisions. Uh, he's going to be the one that forms my conscience, what we were talking about earlier. That's the first major hurdle because I'm not going to be perfect that day. Right, right yeah. <laughs> not even close. Right. Whatever the habits have been, uh, whatever uh, habits of sin that I've been living in, whatever uh, struggles that I've had uh, living a faith-filled life and so forth, those are still going to be there on the day that I make that decision for Christ. But already something has changed because now I have the motive, this interior uh, machine, this interior mover in me, now I have the motive that will bring about everything else because now I'm not going to be satisfied with being an impatient, uh, foul-mouthed, uh, you know, unchaste person, whatever the, the things may be. Pick your poison. Yeah. Pick your poison. Now I'm not going to be satisfied with those things. I shouldn't go the the opposite extreme and beat myself up over everything that I don't do perfectly. Mm. That's completely self-defeating and unnecessary because Jesus doesn't have that expectation of me. But I should say, okay, now I'm going to start this path, this path of discipleship. That, that great story in the scripture when the, the rich young man came to Jesus and told him all about the good things that he already does and all the things he already believes, and Jesus and says, what else must I do? And Jesus says, oh, you're doing great. The next thing is to give up all the things you have and give them to the poor and come follow me. And then he goes away sad. Jesus has not condemned him because he won't do that. He just gave him information. Would you like to have this next best thing, the next good thing on the on the the journey? And he goes away sad because he does want it, but he's not yet able or ready. Still, yeah, clinging to it. Yeah. Still clinging. What I like to think about though is what did he do though, that young man? Because he went away sad. But didn't the sadness, and I, I, I hope this is the case, and when I get to heaven, I want to talk to him. Uh, didn't the sadness cause him to begin to weigh those things and eventually to see, maybe when the news hit him that he rose from the dead, to begin to see that, no, I do want this more. Hmm. I do want it more than the things that I own. I don't want them to own me anymore, so I'm going to give them away. Um that's what I hope for, and that's that's for us. 
the motive and the decision that I want to be the disciple of Jesus, I want him to be the reason why I live, will bring everything else. If we stick with that, it will bring everything. He, he will first bring everything. the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Added unto you. You'll receive them. You'll get right. them. Absolutely. Yeah. So sometimes if you're, if you're starting to learn, it's important to, to form your intellect, like we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. Uh, it can get overwhelming uh, very quickly as you start reading about virtues. It's exciting, and then you start realizing there's sub-virtues of virtues, and you're like, I didn't even know that was a virtue. I didn't know what magnanimity was. Or, you know, you start learning all these different things. It kind of gets overwhelming, right? What Do you have advice? Do you think that it would be best to maybe just pick one virtue and work on that first? That's a, that's a, uh, a practical approach, and it certainly can be useful. We're always going to be working on all the virtues all the time anyway. But it can be useful to say, Boy, I've really been a bear at home. I'm going to pick patience and really focus on patience for the next whatever period of time. That can be useful Mm -hmm. uh, to do. It doesn't mean that I'm going to give up on on chastity and (laughs) all the rest of the things (laughs) during that period of time. I'm going to start drinking heavily. Be patient. I don't understand. (laughs) But it does mean that I'm going to give more attention to to one. There's more intentionality there. Yeah, Yeah. and that can can help us. Um, We we are fallen people, so it's not going to help us to be um, uh, compulsive about this, such that uh, anytime we fail in any of them, we just feel deflated, that's not going to help. The Lord doesn't expect that of us. It's not necessary to the life we're trying to live. We fell. That's why we have the sacrament of confession, and we start again. Uh, Scrupulosity is a very terrible, for the sufferer of it, Mm -hmm. it's a very terrible uh, sadness and pain uh, that some people fall into. For, for those who don't know, what, what is scrupulosity? Scrupulosity is the, is the um, compulsive uh, reaction to sin in which a person thinks everything they do is sinful and worries compulsively over whether they've committed this sin or that sin or the other sin. Okay. Uh, and you can see how that would immediately be very painful for a person. And it's not necessary because our Lord loves us as we are and is desiring to give us things as we can receive them. So we don't need to feel uh, compulsively uh, bad about things that we do wrong. We recognize, okay, that was wrong. I confess, you know, I, I immediately confess to God my sorrow for that sin. I go to confession, I receive absolution, and I keep on the journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, how do we how do we uh, provide an atmosphere? How do we cultivate these virtues within the home? When when we're on the the Catholic Man Show, people will, will sometimes ask like, "Well, how how do you pass on virtues in your home?" And I, the first question I think you should always ask is, "Well, are you living a virtuous life? You know, are you yourself taking the mm-hmm. virtuous life seriously? Because mm-hmm. you can't, you know, the the saying you can't give what you don't have. So right. you can't pass on these virtues right. if you're not living the virtuous life or yeah. striving for it. Yeah. Yeah, the power of parents who apologize to their children. Absolutely. If they are exaggerated with them in terms of being cross or something. 
uh, that's very powerful for the children. Right. Yeah, one thing I often have to practice is an apology for rash judgment. So I try to instill in my kids in the Bruce Ord home of the importance of not making rash judgments about people's motivations and and having unnecessary emotional reactions based upon those false judgments. Mm-hmm. And so when I do that, and my wife and I, whenever we make these rash judgments about our kids' motivations, mm-hmm. right? And, and I got a temper, and so I like flare up unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. I have to apologize to them for the rash judgment that I made, you know? So that's one thing that we do in the Bruce Hart home. And I know for myself, having a bad temper and flaring up Emotionally like that, I have to work on calm, mm-hmm. rational, like when there's tension and disagreements within the home, I have to work on that calm, rational approach of asking those questions, lest I make rash judgments, you know, mm-hmm. and having a reasonable approach to the discipline or to the reaction to a misbehavior in the home by the kids and hoping that that calm, rational approach will be an example for the kids, you know, in exercising that virtue. Yeah, and I suppose parents, uh, of course, they're going to need to work together on everything, but they'll need to work together on what should the expectations be. That's because a good point. If, mm-hmm. if you're overly strict, that's going to have the opposite effect. Right. Uh, children are going to be children. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, if, they're, if they're, you know, so put upon to measure up to things that are really above their ability right now, then they're just going to get deflated themselves. And, right. and, and that up. creates constant negativity, right? Because you're going to be mm-hmm. constantly telling them they're wrong or misbehaving if all of these ex- expectations, unnecessary mm-hmm. expectations are put upon them. And there also, too, I think is important of determining the degree of reaction based upon the kind of failure of the expectation. So it might just be childish behavior. Like after dinner, our kids get super loud when they're like cleaning up and washing the dishes. And they're- What? That happens at your home they're too? They're excited. You know, there's like this constant chatter and singing. And like initially you react, this is like, be quiet, kids. Yeah, yeah. It's too it's much. Too loud, too loud. But at the same time, reason has to come and take over and be like, no, they're expressing joy and there's sort of a childish behavior here. So that will determine like, hey, guys, calm down. You know, let's take it down a notch rather than Shh, be quiet. You know, in other expressed terms. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And, but whenever there's sinful behavior. Yeah. Right. Whenever there's a sinful act that takes place and it's just flat out malicious or uncharitable, then that will require a stronger sure. reaction from us as parents. And I think for parents to develop the the habit, I guess you could call it, of watching for and then praising good behavior. Absolutely. That's right. Absolutely. Looking for signs of budding virtues that are coming and so forth and uh, pointing that out, you know, ranking the kids and so forth. Yeah, this is the language of the virtues, right? We should we should use the language of virtues in the domestic church, uh, right? So and point out like not just like oh Johnny that was good, but no no, no oh Johnny, thank you for being patient with your with your younger brother, mm-hmm. or that was very charitable that you were able to, that you gave that toy to your brother or whatever. You know, using those words um, helps the kids to realize oh, that's the goal that we're going for, right? Mm-hmm. This is what we're striving for. We're striving to be patient. We're striving to be charitable. We're striving to be generous. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the kind of things that 
are very, very uh, small in the home, that, but very intentional that has right. big impacts. Hmm. Right. Yeah. That's a great insight, yeah. So, Yeah, that, that helps them to see what does it look like in yeah. the lived. Right. Yeah, because for the children at those various stages of development aren't able to conceptualize the virtues mm-hmm. and learning them conceptually. Right. So it's, you know, just like with punishment, right? Like they can't conceptualize the wrongness of this activity. It's not going to contribute to your human, authentic, authentic human happiness. Right. <laughs> so what do we do? We associate the displeasure mm-hmm. with the bad behavior in order to teach them this is not for happiness. Right. Uh, and the same on the flip side of good, right? So the praising and uh, labeling it with the virtue, they're not able to conceptualize that, learn it conceptually, so they have to learn it in the practical way. Right. Mm-hmm. So Bishop, what do you suggest? Like if I'm I'm listening right now, I'm saying like, okay, yeah, maybe I'll start, you know, thinking about uh, taking up these virtues and living the, 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 the moral life and trying to make this New Year's resolution or these holy habits. Where do we start? Well, uh, I think you could start anywhere, but you might uh, give some thought and prayer first to where do you find yourself being sad about Mm. yourself? You know, what are the things that you find yourself saying, gosh, I wish I, I wish I, wish I didn't do that. I wish I had said this instead or whatever, whatever it would be. You probably already know in a sort of a natural way those things that most often trip you up um, start there. Uh, it, it might be dangerous if you're married. I suppose you could ask, ask your spouse. Ask your spouse. <laughs> if you want the brutal brutal truth, you can ask. <laughs> if I was going to work on a virtue, honey, which virtue do you think I should work on first? Oh, that could. That's going to take some courage, man. Yeah. yeah. Some humble pie. There. there will have to be an an ironclad promise that I will not react to whatever you say. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Absolutely. No, I think that's a beautiful insight, uh, Your Excellency, of recognizing where am I sad? That's, I'm going to take that to heart, and I'm going to actually practice that. Yeah, that virtue, good. I mean, uh, vices are the kinds of things, <clears throat> particularly the more that we have made this decision to strive after a life uh, of discipleship, vices are going to make us sad. Because yeah. we, we wish we had not done. Right. And whenever we encounter that, gosh, I wish I hadn't done that. That's a clue. Okay, let me, does that happen very often? Okay, maybe that's a thing to work on. Yeah. To begin to identify, okay, anger. Anger seems to trip me up a lot. Okay, what's its opposite? Virtue and then then I can get into Thomas and whoever else, you know, what are the things under that? And so start to think about, okay, what are practical uh, behaviors and practical reactions that I can begin to seek after and implement that help me to overcome this reacting in anger? Mm -hmm. And what are are the environments, too, that seem to be uh, prompting these vices? And so part of the holy habit for the new year might be making the decision, well, in this environment, I'd have a tendency to end up in this vice or misbehavior. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, I make the decision to not put myself in that environment or to rectify the environment, make it better and more Mm -hmm. suitable for virtuous living. Yeah, that's a good good point. Carla, do you have any other uh, suggestions on 
like books or anything to learn more about virtues if, if somebody wants any further reading? You know what? Uh, I can't remember. I think Kevin Vost uh -huh. has written a book. On humility. On hum was it on humility? It was on humility, yep. And I want to, didn't he, it seemed like I remember him writing something on virtues as well in Thomas Aquinas, but maybe I'm mistaken on that. He, but, he might have. Uh, other than that, um, I think maybe perhaps Peter Kraft even has a book on mm -hmm. virtue. Back to virtue. There it is, back mm -hmm. to yep. virtue. Mm -hmm. So really that good. might be a good start. Peter Kraft is always great in his writing style, mm -hmm. easily digestible. So mm -hmm. uh, I would recommend those two authors and for your viewers and listeners to look up on what they have written yeah. on virtue. Uh, uh, Joseph Pieper also has a great book on virtue called The Four Cardinal Virtues. Mm -hmm. So if you're interested in like prudence, justice, fortitude, temperance, what are those? How do you live those out? He has a great book on that called Four Cardinal Virtues. It's really, really good. And um, Francis de Sales, his uh, classic book, The Imitation of the Devout Life, mm -hmm. the, the reason that I like it so much is because He's very what we today call pastoral. Mm -hmm. uh, he he is as likely to uh, advise someone, look, you're just really being too hard on yourself, as he is to say, gosh, you really need to shape up. So he knows when to do which. And uh, he also is very insightful in terms of helping people understand what is your vocation and why are you trying to live someone else's vocation? Mm. You know, why... Just live your own vocation. You know, one thought that just occurred to me, perhaps for this new year of holy habits, in order to inspire within our hearts a desire to live the virtuous life, getting back to how that assumes that we have first fallen in love with our Lord, mm -hmm. perhaps one thing your listeners and viewers can do is to make a conscious effort to learn more about our Lord mm -hmm. through studying the scriptures, studying what the Holy Mother Church, what Holy Mother Church teaches about our Lord, mm -hmm. because whenever we come to know our Lord and who and what he is, mm -hmm. that can in turn inspire a desire mm -hmm. to begin loving him, because we cannot love that which we do not know. So the more we know about our Lord mm -hmm. through catechetical instruction and through study, that can inspire love. And with that love, there's going to be a greater desire to know him even more, mm -hmm. both in the head knowledge and in the heart knowledge. Mm -hmm. So studying our faith, and for me, I know from my own personal experience, when I studied, started learning apologetics and learning about our faith and learning how to defend our faith, that in turn uh, inspired a conviction within my heart to live my life for the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so the head knowledge is very important and can inspire the heart knowledge. Sure. So I would recommend that. A, um, another way to get at that, the same thing, is through art. And in this case, uh, I would recommend to people The Chosen. Now it's season three is coming out. Mm -hmm. It's in the theater now, actually. Um, it's one way of being able to uh, use the imagination to think, how might he actually have been? What, what might actually he have laughed at? Yeah. What was his personality like? How did he interact with the disciples? And what did that feel like? What did that look like? Uh, and that makes our Lord more personal. Exactly. Right? To where he's not just some abstract concept, but he's a person that you can actually relate to and talk to and, and love. And, and my favorite one in this vein is the Franco Zeffirelli. I mean, it's very dated now. It's made in the 60s or the 70s. Uh, Jesus of Nazareth. You can still mm -hmm. find it all over the place online. Um, 
And, you know, in the age of CGI, it doesn't have any of that. <laughs> but the character who plays Jesus and the way that they portray those gospel scenes that have him, I just think is very captivating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I can really imagine mm-hmm. him being like this character, this actor that plays him. He does a great job. So I recommend that to people as well. Don't try to watch it all in one yeah, it's a long, it's a long movie. Bell sweep. Yeah. It was Don't done as watch, right? it was a mini series when it was first presented. It's right. about six hours right. of film, but it's the whole life of Christ from the conception through the the resurrection. You know, the Passion of the Christ came out years ago, and it was famous for a time. I never could warm up to it because it's so. <laughs> it's brutal. It's so brutal. Yeah, there are parts of it that are really beautiful mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, the relationship between the Lord and Mary is captured in some scenes there beautifully. But boy, it's it's hard. It's mm-hmm. hard. So that's part of why I like Jesus of Nazareth is because it, it does capture the the brutality of the crucifixion, but not that's not the focus right. primarily. So those are ways. Uh, yeah. yeah. And that follows the incarnation itself, getting back to the incarnation is that it provides an incarnational principle, right? We need to put flesh on our Lord because we don't see him in the flesh, although Mm -hmm. he exists in the flesh. We don't see him in the flesh. So art puts the flesh on the bones, so to speak, and and makes it incarnational for us so as to respond. And a final uh, resource, another one that I really like, is um, the book by Frank Shee, To Know Christ Jesus. Absolutely. Uh, He does a masterful job of taking the Gospels and then trying to fill in the blanks. Uh, he has this huge command of Scripture, so he's able to bring to bear, okay, this comes from that and that comes from this. We don't know what was said here, but here's why we think X. Yeah. And so I remember in seminary first reading that book, and it really drew me uh, in a powerful way to the person of Christ to try to live more fully in the person of Christ. She was very instrumental when I first started studying theology, mm-hmm. his theology and sanity, theology for beginners, and to know Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then also Bishop Sheen has his book on our Lord as well. The title is Escaping My Memory. Life of Christ. Life of Christ. That would be a good recommendation as well. But I remember reading Sheed and thinking, well, this is kind of like Sheen's book, but I really like Sheed's book. Mm -hmm. It was very well done. It's good scriptural commentary as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, with it being the Eucharistic Revival, I think that a great uh, habit to get into this year is uh, have an hour of holy hour. Mm -hmm. uh, One hour of adoration per week and then come back to me in 52 weeks and tell me your life isn't different because mm-hmm. it's just not going to happen. So sure. uh, check that out. You can go to dioceseoftulsa.org to check out all of our adoration times. Uh, this has been Bishop Condorlo, uh, Tulsa time with Bishop Condorlo, with special guest Carlo Broussard from Catholic Answers. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week.